Welcome to the Walt Weekly Podcast with your host, Walter Latham Sr. and co-host, Michelle Sweeney McCombs. Today, we have a very special show for you, and Michelle will be giving you further details, but we have Edwina Francis Martin, ESQ. And I don't want to go any further than that, but let's get on with the show because we have a lot of questions, and we want to get right to it. So, Michelle? Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Walter. And let me introduce our esteemed guest, Ms. Martin, graduated from New York University School of Law and holds her BA in Art History from Williams College. Ms. Martin also is a public interest lawyer experienced in litigation, public policy, government relations, nonprofit management, and strategic communications. Ms. Martin was sworn in three years ago during Black History Month as the first African-American and first woman commissioner, public administrator of Richmond County in Staten Island, New York. Ms. Martin wears a lot of hats, and I mean that literally. She is known (laughs) on Staten Island for her unique fashion style and beautiful hat designs that she wears. Welcome, Ms. Martin, to the Walt Weekly we are thankful that you are here and taking the time out to share your story with the Walt Weekly audience. Well, thank you so much for having me. I have been looking forward to this. Um, yes. I greatly admire you, Michelle, and everything that oh. you've accomplished. Uh, and you. it's great to meet you, Walter, as well. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Yes, you are you are your own vibe on Staten Island. <laughs> well, this is bringing really? good on uh, Riverside FM. We could have put that down as a promo. That could have hit yeah. me in the promo. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so hopefully you'll come back when we're up on uh, Riverside, which is a video platform. Right. Oh, fabulous. Well, yeah, I'll have to start planning my outfit now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. I love the way there she you go. She is so unique with her dress. and Proactive. I just love it. She's very proactive. And, yes. Um, you know, just want to start off by, uh, you know, just give us a little background of you being a Staten Islander um, and, and a little history on yourself first, personal. Sure. So I came to New York by way of Maryland and Washington, D.C. So uh, I grew up in the D.C. metropolitan area uh, with lots of siblings and cousins and aunts and uncles, um, you know, under underfoot all the time. So uh, Mm I grew up Mm -hmm. amongst a very large and very religious family. And um, it was really idyllic. Uh, I never saw myself initially as a lawyer. Um, As you said, I was an art history major in college. And I was very much into the arts. Um, Art is still a a really important part of my life in many, many ways. Um, And I think it's so important um, for our, really our mental health. (laughs) Um, uh, amongst other things. Um, I, when I was in law school, I actually had a dream. I think it was my sophomore year that I went to law school. I'm sorry, when I was in college, I had a dream my sophomore year that I went to law school. And I told people at breakfast the next morning and we all had a good laugh. Um, but what happened is, you know, I was also very influenced by hearing my, my mother, my father, my aunts and uncles, as I was growing up, talk about the marches that they went to in D.C., uh, what it was like, in, you know, marching in the historic March on Washington for civil rights. Um, and that really uh, influenced me more than I realized. When I graduated from college, I, I took a job with the government. And it was in an office that was made up half of lawyers, half of MBAs. And I spent a lot of time speaking with the attorneys in that office. And I also had an uncle 
um, who was a lawyer and um, did a lot of civil rights work um, throughout his career. And by the end of that experience, I had decided that if I wanted to um, further positive change for um, my community and in the world, um, that law school was the best way for me to do that. And so when I was looking at law schools, um, I landed on NYU because their motto is a private institution in the public service. They had lots of clinics and clinics, if you're not familiar with them, um, are a really great training ground for lawyers. There are programs that are set up with government offices, with uh, law firms, with nonprofit law firms, where you're actually out doing real legal work, going to court, representing people, doing transactions, all supervised by the people who run the clinic. Uh, as well as um, staff in those various law firms. Uh, so I, I got such great experience at NYU. Uh, I also accrued great debt. Um, mm. And even though I had some scholarships, I had an NAACP scholarship. I had some scholarships that uh, I was lucky enough to uh, attain while I was at NYU. I still came out with, um, you know, uh, you know, this uh, debt the size of a mortgage, a small mortgage. And mm. so I decided um, to go to a big white shoe law firm to try to pay down a lot of that debt on the front end. Um, and I did. Uh, I was uh, in the law firm world for, uh, well, at the big firm for five years. And then I tried out different size law firms Um after that. And I was able to pay down not all of my debt um, because I also wanted to have a nice standard of life um, right. and not eat, you know, ramen noodles Absolutely. every night. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I paid off enough of it that I was able to become my own master and decide what I wanted to do. So when the time was right, I started reaching out to my friends from law school who had gone the nonprofit route. And through working um, that network of friends, um, I found an amazing um, place at legal services in their central office in Lower Manhattan. And I was the first communications director. Um, and I also became the pro bono manager um, and the uh, government relations director. And government relations is also called. Um, uh, lobbying by some people, but okay. government relations is so much more than what people think of um, because it's really, it's educating, for me anyway, it was educating elected officials um, about the work of legal services programs and the issues and the challenges of low-income communities in New York. Um, all the little things that, you know, we don't think about that impacts their lives. And I'll, I'll give you um, just a couple of examples of things I was able to work on when I was at Legal Services, because we also, in a legal way, because Legal Services is um, the Legal Services Corporation program for New York City. So we had a lot of restrictions um, on what we could and could not do. You could lobby for your funding, for example, but you could not lobby on policy, on legislation, unless you were asked to. It was a way to stop us from being activists. Um, but by wow. educating elected officials, um, that was something that was enacted in the 1990s, long before I got there. Um, but by educating elected officials on what we do, um, by inviting them to breakfast, by sending them letters, brochures, by scheduling meetings, they, you know, understood, came to understand that they needed to invite us in to work with them. And they did. So we were able to work on lots of wonderful legislation. There's a piece that's been um, in the news lately, and I'm so proud to have been part of the team of people that worked on this in its infancy, and that is stopping source of income discrimination. 
Are you um, are you all familiar with what that is? No. So source of income discrimination is usually targeted to people who have some sort of governmental program, such as Section 8, to pay for a portion of their rent. Um, and um, landlords used to be very blatant in saying no Section 8, right. no, you know, FEPS, no, et cetera, et cetera, um, need apply. And this is actually discriminatory. Right. So, you know, we worked with the city council to eventually have legislation passed um, that banned this blatant discrimination against low-income people that may uh, pay a portion of their rent with a governmental program. Um, it's been in the news of late because, uh, unfortunately, enforcement uh, is not at the level it should be. And you could probably go online to a Craigslist-like place and see someone list an apartment and say, like, no Section 8 or Section 8 need not apply. Wow. Um, so, you know, it, we we always, you know, the law, the cup is only half filled once you pass it. Education and enforcement is key to engendering respect um, for the law and following right. the law, you know. But but that law is there and it exists for people to take advantage of. So um, in working on things like that, which was such an amazing experience, I realized that where I really wanted to be is where the policy is being made. And so um, when I moved to Staten Island, um, because after law school at NYU, uh, I stayed in the Manhattan area and I um, lived in the East Village for a little while after law school and then settled in Chelsea, where I was for, um, for many years. Um, I moved to Staten Island um, after meeting my partner, Mickey Burns, um, in 2001. Um, and, uh, I, that is when I first started working for legal services. And the first thing that I saw is that there was no legal services office on Staten Island. Right. And, you know, I was like, well, wow, you know, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, wonder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I asked why. And, you know, the reason was, um, that the borough was so small and the poor person demographic was so small um, that they didn't felt they didn't feel in their budget that it justified them opening a full office. So they used to give money to another legal services program to provide services, but it didn't have a presence on Staten Island, and we never received like sort of updates or reports. So you know we didn't really know what was going on with that money. Um, so I worked with. Um, a board member that was from Staten Island and um, a newly elected, then newly elected city council member, Mike McMahon, um, right. way back when, um, yes. and who's now, you know, the district attorney for Staten Island. But at that time, he was a newly elected city council member in 2001. He was very upset that legal services said it was a citywide program when it did not have a Staten Island office. Um, so I pulled together demographic and other information to present to the board um, to uh, ask them to consider reallocating the funding they were giving to that other program and add money to it from the budget um, to open up a Staten Island office. Um, I did uh, the outreach, I coordinated the outreach on Staten Island for the opening of the office. And one yeah. of the things that I did was meet with community leaders from throughout the island. And one of the first leaders that I met was Debbie Rose. Um, and we really connected. And so we remained friends throughout the years. Um, and that office eventually, it opened in 2006 and it is now Staten Island Legal Service. And it has, we opened it with four staff, I think. Now it has over 35 staff, I think. And they, um, provide free civil legal help to low, thousands of low income Staten Islanders every year. 
Um, so fast forward to when Debbie Rose was elected to the city council, um, I reached out to her and said I would love to come and work for her, but she already had her staff in place and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So once again, I just stayed in touch, you know, and when the timing was right, she made me an offer and I couldn't wait. And I was there for eight years. Oh, wow. um, time, time goes so quickly. Right. But we worked on so much legislation um, that had such a huge impact, not just for people on Staten Island, but throughout New York City. Um, and uh, I just, I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. <laughs> Edwina, Edwina, is this a part of the portfolio? I see that you are the commissioner for on public administrator of Richmond County. Is that part of your portfolio? Some so, of the things that you were doing? In 2018, um, then assembly member Matt Tatone ran for surrogate judge um, of Richmond County. Uh, the then surrogate um, Judge Giganti uh, was retiring. And after he was elected, um, I the surrogate appoints the commissioner public administrator. Um, it's a quirky little office because I am a city commissioner, but right. I'm not appointed by the mayor. I'm actually appointed by the surrogate judge. So after he was elected and in between the time of the election and when he took office, um, I submitted an application for public administrator. I had researched it. it they're small city agencies. They have a very narrow mission, um, but it would give me an opportunity to lead my own program um, and to, um, you know, really provide even more direct assistance um, to the people of Staten Island. And so um, luckily for me, I was appointed by Judge Tatone and uh, I took my position in January of 2019. And I'm going to, I was going to tell you what we do because no one knows what the public in, administrator does, which is why I was so excited when Michelle reached out to me. Um, what we do is we administer the estates. And you know the estate for the, the folks listening. That's your stuff. That's oh, yeah, your that's, house, your car. That's one of our primary questions, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your, your car, your jewelry, you know, all of your stuff makes up your estate. And if you don't have family, you didn't do a will or create a trust or something like that. Um, when you pass, the um, public administrator is tasked with winding down your estate as the administrator. Wow. Okay. That's okay. Okay. All right. That. Now, now let's let's do this scenario. Uh, person dies, no will. What would prompt you to, to, to step in? Um, well, first, we would need to, to know if there's any family. If there's any family, we would work with the medical examiner to make sure that they're notified. And other than that, there is no role for the public administrator. Um, but where there's no um, domestic partner, no spouse, no children, no siblings, no grandparents, um, in that instance where there is no close family under um, the law in New York State, as they define it, um, then the public administrator can step in to administer that estate. Uh, now, that happens in a number of ways. Uh, right now, I have, you know, around probably 350 estates um, that I'm administering. Of those 350 estates, um, the bulk of them, so let's say, you know, 250, um, are small estates. Under New York state law, that's where the value is 50,000 or less. If it's a small estate, then I do not need to be appointed by the court. I can actually appoint myself. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Wow. The administrator. Mm -hmm. um, and that's under just for clarification purposes. That's under fifty thousand. Am I correct? Can it be over fifty thousand? 
No, if it's no. Um, over 50000 then I have to be appointed. Um, it's okay. considered a, a large estate, believe it or not. But the, the bulk of the estates we administer are small estates. Usually, um, you know, I mean, there's no house involved. So they're renting an apartment or they're renting a room in a rooming house. Um, and so a landlord will reach out to us when a tenant has passed and there's no family. Um, mm-hmm. Because if the person passes in the home, mm-hmm. then the premises is sealed by the police. There has to be an investigation. Right. Even if there's no foul play, there's nothing amiss. There right. still has to be a police right. investigation. And once there's a seal, the only people who can break the seal are either the NYPD or our office. If someone else does it, their best friend goes and they're like, oh, I'm just going to take a look around. That's a but felony. That's, that's, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's a felony. Is, right. But that's if the person doesn't have any family. Okay. Yes. Yes. But okay, we're only it. involved when there's no family. If there's family, we're not involved. We would have nothing to do with it. Is um, that only applicable to rentals? Let's say a person is a homeowner, but you follow well, the same procedure. But if they're a homeowner, we're talking about small estates right now. You right. know, so in a small estate, we yeah. would go in, we would do an, what we call estate entries. We would see if there's anything, you know, bills, letters, um, uh, a box that looks like it's, you know, a safety deposit, not safety deposit, but, you know, safe box. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, then we would check with the police to make sure the investigation mm-hmm. is over. And if it is, we would turn it back, you know, over to the landlord for them to clean out. We don't clean it out. It's not our job um, for them to do whatever they need to do so that they can let it again. Now, if there is a house um, that's not in foreclosure, then it's going to be the, the value of the state's going to be over $50,000. Right. Uh, now let's go to uh, case, mm-hmm. We have to be appointed by the court. Right. Ah, okay. Yeah, I don't think you'll find a house within the metropolitan area of $50,000. Well, now, it depends on whether or not it's in foreclosure, actually. Right. Ah, okay, okay. Right. That's Good, Good to know. I, don't, I wasn't aware of all of that. Yeah, we wanted uh, that it, the state part, your explanation, we really wanted that for our listeners. And we also wanted... You know, from your point of view, you know, why, I mean, what what should the community make sure that they have, if they can, if it's within their means, should they have to protect their estate and ensure that that estate is passed down to the next generation or, or assigned to whoever, uh, their spouse, et cetera? You know, are we seeing a lot of that? I mean, I mean, I'm hearing a lot. Michelle's heard a lot, but I don't think that people are taking it seriously. They think they're going to live forever, even if they're in their twenties. They don't have wills. So, how how would you speak to that? Um. So the death rate in New York has increased, um, and that's uh, even accounting for the post-pandemic era, the endemic era that we're in. There are just more people dying. We don't know why. Um, the number of burials, um, and I'll get to the burials in a second because the, the burials we do are unique in Staten Island. No okay. other public administrator does them. Um, so there are just more people dying, number one. Um, and the cost, um, because death is a business, and like all the other costs that we see going up of food, of rent, of interest rates, yes. um, to buy a house. You know, those costs are going up as well. You know, for my office, they have doubled. Um, And uh, there are actually a number of things people should put in place to make sure that their wishes are carried through either when they pass or when they're incapacitated. Um, You should do a healthcare proxy. And in New York State, there, you know, you can get the form online and do a simple health care proxy. Um, the person that you make your proxy 
should be someone that you know and trust. And you have to speak to them about what your wishes are should you become incapacitated. So you should have a healthcare proxy. Um, there is a form which is also available online for um, disposal of remains. Um, because in New York State, and it's not like this in other states, you know, each state is unique to, to how they handle these things. But in New York State, you cannot be cremated unless there are specific instructions. Really? That law has been, been loosened a little bit. So now right. if it's a family member that the decedent told and they oh, okay. will attest that, you know, they have been told, they were told the person wanted to be cremated, um, you know, they'll, they'll allow that now. That helped um, me. Thank you. You know, they, they're, New York State is very strict about cremation. Um, my office for the burials we do, we cannot cremate because there is no family. We didn't know the person um, that we're burying. Wow. And uh, so we don't have the um, authorization to do that. And of course, cremation is, is less expensive. Right, um, so, so you mm-hmm. should do those forms for disposal of remains. Um, you should look into doing a will, do a will with an attorney, do not do some form online, um, because every state has its specific laws and the form online might say this is for New York state, but, um, these, these forms often, if it's challenged by someone, they usually don't stand up in the court of law. Um, and, you know, so if you want to do it the right way, you know, work with an attorney that has a retainer mm-hmm. on a will. Um, now that will cost money, right. but the amount of money that you would spend doing that on the front end will save your family probably thousands on the back end. So I have a question um, in reference yeah. to can that. I, can because... I just say one more thing, Michelle? Yes, sure, sure. People say and people think no one's going to fight. No one's going to mm. fight in the family. They yeah. say, I don't have anything. I don't have anything anyone wants anyway. You know, they're, they're, right. why bother? Mm-hmm. You have more than you think you do. And it's not right. just about the money value. It's about your personal priorities and values and goals. I see from my perch thousands of dollars and generational wealth being wiped out when people pass their homeowners. We all know how difficult Mm -hmm. nowadays is it to be a homeowner. You know, people who have been homeowners um, who don't leave instructions via a will or a trust or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the, these houses are flowing out of the family, you know, because if there's not immediate family, if they're only cousins and right. it's only a one side, I mean, I won't go into the permutations, okay. but there's so many ways in which um, generational wealth is just flowing out of our communities right now. And it breaks my heart. But Mm -hmm. when an estate comes to me, you know, my mission is clear. I liquidate the estate. Family members do not have, you know, sort of first priority um, or anything else. Um, And so it goes to the highest bidder, um, you know, in the open market. So I'm sorry, Michelle. Yeah. No, no, it was in reference to wills, uh, acting because I, you know, being in an estate battle with my own family, we, you know, goes back to that. We lost properties. We had to sell one, but wills can be contested. I was going to ask, would it be better for a trust because a will can be contested by a family member? My question. So, um, so a trust actually 
Um, I, and once again, I, I just want to preface by saying I am not giving legal advice right now. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I am not allowed to. So I, I want all of your listeners to be clear on that. You should um, see an attorney. Um, and the New York City Bar Association has a wonderful legal referral service where the initial consultation is um, around $40. It used to be 35, yes. but I imagine mm-hmm. it's gone up. Um, yeah. And then if you do a retainer with them, um, they have to, uh, number one, they have to do retainers. They have to mm-hmm. carry a certain amount of malpractice insurance. Um, yeah. I was on the committee that oversaw the legal referral service for many, many, many years. And I regularly... Um, refer people to it and they get wonderful attorneys and they call me afterwards and they thank me. And they say, I have one friend who called, had an immigration problem. And she said, thank you. You saved my life. You helped me stay in the United States. And I was like, it's not me. I didn't do it. (laughs) But but, but anyway, um, I have a friend um, who is an estate attorney um, and uh, whom I've done several free um, workshops with on pre-planning. And mm-hmm. um, she is a strong believer in um, creating trusts. And they're all, and I, right. I, I won't go into it because I'm, I haven't created trust. I'm not a trust attorney. Um, but, you know, she had the experience of, um, being responsible for an aunt um, who was a homeowner, retired city worker, so, you know, had sort of a pension and a small IRA. Right. Um, sadly, you know, I think had dementia, you know, et cetera. Hmm. And she had to make a lot of hard decisions as the caretaker. And one of the things she learned from that personal experience was, you know, that if you have a trust that you put sort of the house and other things in, it, it helps protect that person and um, the, the, the things that they have, their estate, right. from having to be frittered away. Right. Um, there is, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, um, All the Money in the World. Um, and mm-hmm. there was also a series called Trust. I think it was on FX. Yes. And this yeah, is about, about yes. the Getty family. The Getty family, and, yes. And yes. the grandson who orchestrated his kidnapping to try yes. to get some money out of his grandfather. And right. it went terribly wrong. And, right. <laughs> you know, right, he right. ended up having yeah, his ear cut off. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, reading, watching that series, um, you know, I learned about the Getty Trust. Right. Um, at that time, John Paul Getty was the richest man in the world. Right. But he actually, you know, was worth nothing <laughs> because yeah. it was all set up through trust. Right. And he was the trustee of the trust. But if anybody wanted anything, if they wanted money, if they wanted blah, 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 then they had to go to him right. to take the money out of the trust as a trustee. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, really just amazing. Yeah, so, the story was very tragic. I read up yeah, about it a little yeah. more after that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It also, sh- wow. of course, it also shows how money doesn't make you happy. How True. you know right. it, it doesn't right. give you value in life. You know, sort of all the things that make life worth living. It can give yeah. you, you know, you can buy that nice thing and go on that nice mm-hmm. vacation, but in right. the end, um, I heard someone interviewed the other night, and he said there are no luggage racks on coffins. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, more money, more problems. Uh, wow. I, I I do want to. And uh, in, in reading your 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 bio, you said that. No, I was looking at. Uh, you have something on YouTube, Edwina. I looked you up on YouTube, and I came across a uh, YouTube video where you speak about you know your your responsibilities. 
as far as making sure the snow, the roads are cleared up during the snow, snowstorms and things yep, of that nature. Yep. Could you speak a little bit more about about not just the snow, but other responsibilities that you have that we may not have uh, addressed so far? Um, well, that's part of my estate management, where we have estates that have houses, that have sidewalks and driveways um, and, you know, sort of things of that nature. Uh, until we uh, can sell the house, um, we have to take care of it. Um, so we're we're property managers. Um, so when it snows, we need to make sure if it's over, uh, I think it's an inch and a half. We need to, uh, you know, get snow removal done um, on our properties um, when things break. We actually had on one of our houses this huge beehive. Um, the, the guy that we eventually found to go in and remove it said it's the largest one he had ever seen and how it happened. Um, a a lot of the estates that we get, the folks, um, they're, they're alienated. Usually, you know, they don't have family. Um, they, for, you know, whatever personal reason have just become sort of alienated from society. Um, and one of the things we see um, in our job is the result of the alienation that um, uh, that that people can sustain because of technology. Um, right. We go into a state where people literally haven't left the house in ten years. Um, they have their food delivered. They have meals delivered. You know, they do everything online. Um, haven't seen a person, you know, in years. Um, and the way, you know, people figure out that they're dead is when things start piling up, you know, in front of the door. Um, wow. Or if it's an apartment, you know, a condo or an apartment that right. someone is renting, Sometimes things can start to seep through the floor, which is very unpleasant. Um, And and that's how someone realizes, you know, the police go in and the person's been dead for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do clean outs, um, you know, of the houses um, so that we can stage viewing. Um, We also, um, we, we liquidate estates. Um, so we sell all the movable, movable property that's sellable. Um, the movable property that we can't sell, you know, we sometimes give uh, as donations to charities, um, you know, local churches, etc. cetera. Um, right. And if they don't want them, then it's, it's thrown away. Right, you know, we make right. the arrangements for large things to be taken away. Um, you know, we, we pay the bill. Um, so, you know, we make sure the con ed and, you know, and the, and everything else is paid. Um, cause usually we're, you know, we're getting them ready to sell. We don't make major repairs. We just right. do what we need to. And we sell the properties as is. And we work okay. with realtors, um, you know, who put them on the market the way any other house is put on the market. So question, so if you have a property that's not, you know, lower value or there's no liquid assets involved and you have these things to maintain, where does the funding come from? Is there funding for it and you get reimbursed after the sale of the property? How does that um, work? So, so that's a really good question because we're not a bank. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, we have a, a modest estate. Um, the apartment's already been given back to the landlord, police investigation is over, and some friend or, you know, cousin or aunt or something um, took care of the burial. Um, The burial cost is a first priority cost, so they'll submit a claim against the estate. Um, Mm. It's a cost, sometimes we see, you know, people have done very elaborate burials for like $20,000, Um, but there's only like $8,000 in the bank. And actually, um, there, there are fees that come out of that. Um, we get a fee, our council gets a fee, 
the city gets a fee. At a minimum, it's 12%. So what, what's ever left, they can get towards the cost of that burial. But they're pretty upset when it's not a full reimbursement. And wow. we explained to them we're not a burial fund um, and we're not a bank. Right. The reimbursement is only for whatever the value is left in that estate. Um, so we definitely have had estates um, where we've had to put money in uh, before it's sold and we can reimburse ourselves for um, the money that's put, been put out. Right. We had one estate where we had to put in quite a bit and it made it very difficult for us um, because we have what's called a suspense fund. We have a city budget. The city budget pays for our salary and OTPS, um, but the city, our city budget funds are not allocated for the cost of maintaining a property. And we can't, that money can't be used for that. Right. Um, so we get um, 1% um, of the value of the state. That's, our fee for our office um and that goes into what we call our suspense fund mm -hmm. um and that's what we have to use for that sort of thing okay i have two questions uh if i may first one has to do with uh genealogy is that an attempt to identify the remains well, no, um, because you know what the remains are. There's no, there's no doubt as to who the decedent is. Genealogy is to try to research the family. Right. Right, right. You're trying to locate a, whoever the, who, the closest relative or something like yeah. that. So you but, initiate. But you would only do that if there's like a value to the estate. You know, if uh, the estate is, oh, okay. is, you know, $5,000 right. and that's going to the burial, we're, not, gonna do that. Um, right. we're, we're not working with a genealogist. There's no money in right. the state. I yeah. see. The yeah. second one I have is uh, squatter's rights. I'm confused on that one. Could you explain that? Or? Um, I'll, I'll talk about it only in a very general way. Yeah, in a general way, just yeah. give some idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, um, and once again, that's really not an issue that we have had to deal with. Um, mm -hmm. but, and, and every state has its own laws with respect to squatters. Um, but right. in New York, if a person lives in a property for a certain period of time, and it has to be open and notorious, um, and that means that they are very visible. Everybody knows that they're there. Um, the people right. who would have a right to that property know that they are there and have done nothing. Um, and mm. so you, you might have um, sort of modest rights that have accrued because you've been living there for a number of years, open and notoriously. You might have been maintaining the property, you know, and paying bills, um, you know, and, uh, you know, so there you might have like some tenants rights that have accrued based on that. Um, but, you know, that okay. there's so many sort of changes yeah. um, and adjustments that have ma been made to that law since I've studied it. Right. Um, okay. You know, okay. I don't know to what level. Um, you know, you've, you've accrued tenants' rights, and I'm not sure how long that period is under the law now. Okay. Right. Well, Edwina, I have no further questions at this time <laughs> for you. You're, you've done, a, you've done a, a, a major service for our audience and for us Thank because you, there was a lot of gold nuggets in what you said. Yes. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to Michelle, but thank yeah. you, Edwina. All the best. Hope you have a great year. But, you know, yeah. there's a caveat to that. You know, when we get yeah. live on video, but we get on that platform, we would like to have right. you back. Oh, but I absolutely. do have, I do want to, yeah, I do want to acknowledge some things with Edwina before. Yeah, you got so, it. You got it, Michelle. You know, Edwina, you are all over the place. You, your, your, your volunteer service on the island is impeccable. Oh, in the community, you. within the community. And I want to acknowledge that because you are so supportive of everyone, everybody's event. I see you all over the place. Like you are just phenomenal. 
Phenomenal. And I just want to shout out a few things that you vol- your volunteer work included, which was the American Association of University of Women. You were the past state president, correct? Yes. Past branch president, national board of directors member, the Staten Island alumni chapter of the Delta Sigma Sorority Chair, May Week Committee, the New York State Bar Association, Delicate House of Delegates, 13th Judicial District, the Staten Island Women's Bar Association, past president, co-chair. <laughs> the list goes on. You're just a phenomenal <laughs> person. You wear so many hats, literally. like It's just amazing how you give your time to the community. You really do. And I just want to acknowledge you. You've had so many awards that you've been presented with. What is your most memorable one? What is like my most memorable award? Oh my goodness! Oh, you have so Um, many, right? (laughs) No, no, no. It's it's not that I have so many. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I it's more that I I don't necessarily think about them a lot. You know, Um, when when you ask me about you know my upbringing and what brought me to where I am now, you know, I mentioned I had a grew up with a large family and a very religious family and. One of the things that was drilled into us was to pay it forward and that a life worth living is a life in service. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very worried about the state of the world right now. Right. Um, you know, I want, you know, for my nieces, my nephew, my godchildren, um, the, you know, the, the, the children, quote unquote, that I've adopted, you know, through the years, right. I, I want there to be a future, you know, right. and I want them to have every option possible open to them. Right. Um, right. and so I, I'm very driven by that ethos. Um, you know, I think about, you know, we we're in the Easter season right now. Sunday was, um, you know, Resurrection Sunday. And you think about, you know, what Jesus did yes. um, to, to help save us. And, yeah. um, you know, what can we do? And I don't think about, you know, how can I save the world? But more right, like, right. what can I do to make my little corner of the world a better place, right. a fairer place? Um, where there's equal access to justice for everyone. Um, and so, you know, my bar association work is very driven around access to justice. Uh, my AAUW work, um, you know, big focus is equity for AAUW, equity for women, um, with e- fair pay being, you know, what the biggest right. issue that they do advocacy around. Um, with my chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, um, working on bringing resources and access to our community um, so that people are aware um, and so that we, you know, can truly, you know, get our fair share, right? Um, right. You know, so, so those, those are the things that, that really motivate me. Um, and keep me going when I'm feeling down. Um, and, uh, in terms of awards, I I don't know. Um, Mm. after coordinating the opening of Staten Island Legal Services, um, there used to be an organization called the African American Political Association. Um, on Staten Island and, um, they, they gave me an award. Um, yes. It was the first one I ever received, and um, I was just so, you know, so so humbled and so astounded, um, and so grateful. And of course, you know, for me, I was at legal services at the time, so it was an opportunity to educate people and get the word out about, you know, the, what what are free civil legal services? You know, what can they help people with? You know, what, what um, resources is that office bringing to the community? Um, So that's probably, you know, uh, they've all been 
so, so amazing. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful and, and, and humbled, um, you know, to, to be recognized for trying to help people for doing something I would do anyway. Um, but I think cause that's the first major one, you know, that's probably the most memorable for me. Well, I appreciate that. And you are definitely a pillar on Staten Island. I love seeing you in person because photos does not do just you are a vibe in person with your hats and your attire. It's just, you, you just, you're a statement. So I appreciate you for upholding women the way you do. Thank Remind you. Me, back in the days, back in the forties in Harlem, when, you know, everybody, you know, we were proud people and you hold yourself proud. So I appreciate that from you and I admire everything you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you so very much. And um, once again, thank you for having me on your show. By the way, I did get dressed up, even though <laughs> there was no video. <laughs> uh-huh. So we'll know next time, Walter, when we do video. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are honored. Uh, yes, yeah, we are honored that you We'll bring you that, back right? for sure. And I appreciate it. And what do you have coming up? What what events are you do, you're participating in? And what do you got coming up? Give yourself a shout out and shout out if anyone needs your services as well. Tell them where to find you. Yes. Um, so my office can be reached at 718-876-7228. And um, our email address is nyc.gov backslash rcpa. Um, and, uh, you can find us by looking up Richmond County Public Administrator on, um, on Facebook. Um, we don't have an Instagram page, but we do have a Facebook page. Um, so that's the quick way to find us. Our email address is info at Richmond, R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D-P-A dot N-Y-C dot G-O-V. And um, those emails, even though it's an info, it come, they come into my inbox and I see all of them. And um, so it, great. it's a great way to reach us. Um, great. Great. If you need to come in, um, first of all, call, um, because right. most things we can do via phone and via Zoom at this point. Right, virtual. And mm-hmm. um, although we're... I don't know if the CDC has said we're in the endemic phase, but I feel like we are, (laughs) you know? um, So, you know, I mean, COVID still is around. I had it, you know, it was last summer, but you know, I know lots of people Mm. that have had it in the past couple of months, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so we're still, you know, not really bringing in the public in a big way um, into the office, but um, we are scheduling appointments. And things that we need to do in person, um, we are doing in person. And anything we can do via phone or uh, Zoom, we are doing. Right. Um, so okay. we are very, very reachable. Great. I hope to see you this weekend. Okay. Snug Harbor has their opening day for the Curiosity Row. I'll be there. Bendy. I know. Um, so, so, yeah. so my Staten Island, speaking of um, Delta, um, we're having an old school party on Saturday. Um, oh, yeah? Four to eight. Yeah, it's $35 a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the room, we're doing it at a manual union. Um, the room is going to be like done up with sort of a 70s, 80s vibe. Nice. Um, wow. I still haven't landed on what I'm going to wear yet. Um, although, you know. <laughs> is it on your piece. page, your Facebook page, so I can share it? Um, Do you have it on your Facebook page, your information? Or I actually did not post the flyer on okay. my page, but if you look okay. up Staten Island Alumni Chapter, um, okay. you will find all the information there. Great, great. And I'll be at St. George Saturday night as well, so. <laughs> It's a lot. Staten Island is really booming. Oh like, my gosh! Going on. You you can just on. do something basically every night if you want to. Yes. Um, yes. There there is so much good going on. It is you know Staten yes. Island gets a rap you know and you know it, it, it is it a conservative borough absolutely, um, yes. but it's also very generous. Um, and, um, filled with people doing so much to help. 
they're fellow human beings in different ways. Definitely. So you yeah, have to so look sort going. of beyond those things as well. Right. Right. There's a lot of, a lot of events coming up and, um, looking forward to the Juneteenth. There's so many celebrations going on. Oh, so I can't wait thank for you that. For the Sika donation. Thank you so much from your office. Oh, my, my pleasure. So you, you had asked about the expense fund. And when I, um, when I interviewed for this, this position, um, and I don't know how many people I was competing against, um, because right. I, I didn't ask and they didn't tell. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, one of the things that I was told is that the judge wanted the public administrator's office to sort of come out into the open. Um, okay. it, it, no one knew what it was, that it was there, the resources that it can offer, right. Um, at the very least, you know, we give people referral information for the Richmond County Bar and the right. New York City Bar Association so they can find counsel, um, you know, who are vetted, um, you know, by those legal referral right. services. Um, so at the very least, you know, we can, you know, give people that kind of information. But, you know, for people who are small landlords, and you know, we have a lot on yeah. Staten Island. Right. When right. you have to deal with um, the tenant passing and the right. property being sealed and, you know, what yes. to do, you know, you right. call our office and we can help you with that. We work with nursing homes. You know, that's where uh, a number of our decedents. Oh, my goodness. And I know you're probably ending, but I didn't mention the burials. I don't want to go without oh, yes, at least mentioning mm -hmm. that because Definitely. in every please, other borough, please. every borough has a public administrator. In every other borough, um, if you have a decedent that has no means, they are sent to Hart Island, which is New York City's pauper's field. Um, right. On Staten Island, my predecessor of many years ago, John Carney, started a burial program and raised funds so that when decedents came into um, our administration, with no money and no family, no friends, no one to bury them. Um, they would still be buried on Staten Island in cemeteries on Staten Island with dignity and respect. Um, and so I've been very, very, I've worked very hard to keep that program going. Um, it's really difficult um, because the cost of, of everything has gone up tremendously. And, um, we're getting more people. We're just doing way more burials um, than wow. the office ever did before. Um, but we have very generous funeral homes on Staten Island. There are five or six that we work with um, mm -hmm. on a rotation. And we we pay them for the burials. But believe me, right. we don't pay them what the cost of the right. burial is. We give right. them a pittance. Um, so they're basically, you know, you know, donating their services and they're just, they're amazing wow. and they do beautiful work. If you ever, you know, Michelle, if you ever mm -hmm, want to come mm -hmm. to any of the burials, just let me know. Oh um, yeah, I and, would love that. You know, um, we don't have a lot of notice usually, you know, because we have to work around the schedule of the cemeteries and the, the funeral homes. Um, you know, we might have um, maybe a week's notice if we're lucky. Um, but, you know, I'll let you know. And if you're able to come, you know, wonderful. Um, so we're, you know, we, we get money from um, Councilwoman Hanks um, has been incredibly, incredibly generous. Um, Councilwoman Rose uh, used to, you know, be the standard bearer. Um, but now, um, Councilwoman Hanks, you know, has worked with the speaker's office to also give us funds. Um, former, um, assembly member Mike Cusick allocated funds. Um, so I, I, you know, and I have a nonprofit that works to raise funds for our burials. So we've been able to bring in more money than ever before 
but because the costs have doubled and we have double the number of people, you know, it still is, it's, it's a struggle. Um, and I'm juggling that suspense fund (laughs) and that's what I use for, um, the journal ads and the sponsorships Mm -hmm. as well. Okay. When, when I first came in, I reached out to the conflict of interest board about what I can and can't do. So for example, I can't be an officer, of a of an organization anymore um right, i can't be right. the president or the treasurer or the secretary i can serve on a board and i can share committees what a great show we'd like to thank commissioner public administrator of richmond county staten island new york Ms. edwina francis martin for being on our show our host walter latham senior and co-host michelle sweeney mccombs thank you to our listeners please like follow and share the walt weekly <laughs>